listening to the Soil Talk podcast. I am your host, Tim Mundorf, Nutrient Management Lead with Central Valley Ag. In Soil Talk, we will dive into managing soil fertility and applied nutrients while pursuing top yield. So today on Soil Talk, we're going to talk about plant tissue sampling, corn, soybeans, maybe some other plants. We're also going to talk about foliar fertilizers. The two kind of go together. Today, I've got with me Mick Godekin, our innovation agronomist with Central Valley Ag. Mick, what are some of your thoughts on tissue sampling? Um, you know, as we're recording this, we're just moving into some V4 corn and maybe some V2, V3 soybeans. Uh, what are your thoughts? The tissue samples really give us a good indication of what's going on in the, in the plant itself, what nutrients it's able to take up out of the soil. Uh, certainly, your podcast is Soil Talk. Uh, unfortunately, the soil doesn't always give us what we want, and sometimes we ha- we can s- diagnose things with a tissue sample that we can't see in the in the soil sample itself. Uh, maybe there's some interactions going on that we're not understand that we don't have a knowledge of or an understanding of from the soil test, but the tissue sample says, "Hey, we're short on uh, boron or manganese." Those are the two most prevalent, uh, and we can fix those problems in season to an extent with, with a little bit of loss, but we can fix those and save yield uh, is the term that I use. And, and then we can utilize that to, as a guide for us for next year to help solve some problems that are in the soils. You know, a lot of our mindset as growers and, and consultants is uh, I want an answer. I want it now. I, I want to fix the problem and I want to move on and be done. And the tissue sample does kind of go into that maybe a little better than the soil sample. The soil sample is probably more of a long-term soil fertility on average play. And the tissue sample is, you know, right now here today, as I pull this thing, what's in this crop? You know, what's it look like compared to where I think that that uh, speedometer, let's say, should read for this plant today? You know, I I take the, you said speedometer, I, I call it a fuel gauge. Yeah. It's a fuel gauge to me, but uh, certainly the same concept. You're, you're measuring what's going on in that plant, what it's lacking or what it needs and what you are sufficient in. And certainly a foliar application, we can fix some problems in, in the plant. And as I termed it earlier, save save yield. Yep. prevent more yield loss from occurring. Yep, that's a good point. Now, personally, I put the plant tissue sample after the soil sample. I, I look at that plant and I say the plant's going to get its nutrients from the roots long term across the entire growing season and across future growing season because anytime a grower picks up a piece of land, he should be looking at it for at least five years. And a lot of times if you own it, you're looking at it for your entire lifetime and in, in the next generation. So I start with the soil sample, get a good feel for what's in the soil, and I use the tissue sample to supplement it. Nothing drives me much crazier than a grower who calls me up and wants us to go take a tissue sample. And he says, well, what do you think about the phosphorus on here? And I said, well, where's your soil sample? Because I don't really believe in soil sampling. I'm like, well, you're just wasting your money with the tissue sample if we don't have a soil sample to compare it to. Your thoughts? Well, I, I'd agree, Tim. Uh, soil sampling has to come first. And maybe that has to do with our backgrounds of, of being in the soil world. But uh I don't think so. I think it. you have to have the soil sample to know what you have. Uh, and then the tissue samples, it's strictly secondary. Let's see what's happening this season. You look at this year, 
with all the rainfall events, we're going to see some weird things happening in our tissue samples. Uh, you and I've talked uh, on our video last week about nitrogen. Nitrogen doesn't is so dynamic; it, it's not a good thing to tissue sample for. Personally, I feel the the big three, the NP and K, are not something we should fix with a, a tissue sample. I think that those are, are addressed with your soil sampling. And then the tissue sample is more for the micronutrients and, and sulfur, the secondary nutrient of sulfur. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I, like you said, the, the P and the K, you get a little supplementary information with the tissue sample, but that's that's a soil play. And nitrogen you know, there's no sample that works well for nitrogen. It's either your theory that you're using in, in your formulas and your application, or, you know, you and I've talked a little bit about the modeling tools. And I think the future is probably in the modeling tools or maybe combining the modeling tools with some sort of imagery and looking at a little bit the color. But I, I don't like imagery trying to replace actual testing or modeling as well. I would agree. I mean, uh, you know, the modeling, it works very well. It gives us an idea of where we're at. Uh, this, the imagery, you know, that imagery can be questionable. Uh, whether you got good resolution or not, is there a cloud shadow somewhere? Is there a cloud you're shooting through the, the cloud with the satellite imagery? Uh, so, you know, the tissue sampling, coming back to that, it's, it's important to as a measurement the thing i would warn guys about don't take a tissue sample today and not look at it for a month because it it's gone that tissue sample is a snapshot in time it's right now what's going on if you're going to treat according to a tissue sample you get that tissue sample today get the results back tomorrow or the next day and then do your treatment following that yeah, I would agree with that, too. You know, I look at it as it's a piece of the puzzle. It's a good piece. It's a piece that gives you a lot of information, helps you make decisions, but it's a piece. And and you need those other pieces as well. And the soil sample, I would say, is probably a little bit bigger piece. Let's switch gears a little bit. And let's talk a little bit about, you know, there's two different theories to, to uh, tissue sampling. There's I'm out there scouting, looking at a field, and I see this area that's just off it's stunted the color's wrong whatever and then i've got these other areas that look great i'm just so happy with that but i wish my entire field looked like this great let's just say corn and this other area you know it doesn't so what do i do how can tissue sampling help me for that certainly there uh tim that goes back to me being a soil guy i want to see a soil sample and a tissue sample from both the good and the bad areas and then I want to start digging into those results when we get them back and, and figure out what's going on between the two. If you had just the tissue analysis, you could probably see the difference in, in uptake of some nutrient, what, whatever it is off that tissue sample is going to be lower in that bad looking area. Yeah. And, you know, a lot back to that is I think through it, if I'm the guy going to take that tissue sample, I've got multiple things I'm going to do. And, and just like you said, Mick, a soil probe is going with me because I'm taking a probe. Every plant I pull a leaf from, I'm going to stick a probe 
you know, maybe four to six inches away from the roots, but somewhere close to that. So I can see what those roots are picking up just as well as I can see um, what's in that tissue sample. I said four to six inches away from the stock, really. So I'm going to be going in that uh, soil where those roots are for that plant. And I like about a dozen leaf samples and bigger corn and smaller stuff, maybe closer to 20. And I'm going to take 20 leaves and I'm going to take 20 soil cores in the good area. And I'm going to go do the same thing in the bad area. And it's a lot of work. Cause I got, I got a bucket out there and a couple of soil bags and a tissue bag and a bunch of stuff to carry around with me, a probe, but you can't get the information you need to make a really good decision. I mean, sometimes you'll luck out and it's really easy to explain, but other times it isn't and you need that. And the third thing I'm going to do is I need to dig some plants up and look at their root system because a lot of times that explains it. Exactly. The, so- the soil's great. The tissue's horrible. Well, the root system's horrible. So it can't get the nutrients out of the soil. You can't, the power of the shovel, uh, you, you dig a root, uh, you see it's in it's fighting compaction or whether it's a sidewall compaction from planting too wet or or it's a compaction layer from tillage in the past and it can't get past those to get the nutrients yeah uh, or or it's been wet all season and the roots aren't more than just a couple inches deep well okay that's a problem but and that's going to be a problem we see this year in a lot of areas yeah and then you go into the other side of it so that's the the diagnostic side i'll call it and and that one's pretty easy the tissue sampling has a lot of value there i mean it's just it's one of the tools you really should take advantage of whenever you're addressing you know a crop that just doesn't look good and especially if you planted the same day with the same hybrid in the same field and you got areas that look great and areas that look very poorly the tissue sample is great in that environment but then there's that other environment and that environment's where you're chasing yield and you've and to be honest with you, if you're talking to me about a tissue sample and you haven't taken some soil samples and addressed the things I told you to address on the soil sample, like let's just say you've got a pH of 4.9 and you tell me, hey, Tim, let's go take some tissue samples because I'm really thinking about boron. I'll say, if you're smaller than me, I'll slap you. If you're bigger than me, I'll just argue with you. But we're not going to go look at manganese or boron or some other stupid thing when you've got a pH of 4.9. So we need to prioritize. But let's just say that you've done a good job of grid sampling. You've addressed some of the bigger issues out there. And now you're t- try- trying to fine tune, chase yield, look at micronutrients especially. I think the tissue sample's got a lot of value there too. You know, I agree, Tim. When When tissue sampling first came about, I was in the retail sector and and I thought, oh, this is a way that these guys are just going to sell product to people. And there are companies and people that do that, that it's just a way for them to sell product. But I think as far as something, if you're fine, if you've done everything right to this point in time and you need to fine tune and you're trying to get to the top end of your yield of that yield potential of that field, this is the way to go. Add that tissue sample. Maybe we have something more on something we don't look at. You and I don't look at a lot in soil tests. Maybe we're short on boron. And boron, zinc, and manganese are the three that in tissue sampling that pop up the most. And the zinc is from from root, usually from lack of root root structure or root interception. The manganese and the boron are things that we don't typically apply to these fields. And that's why we start seeing some deficiencies occurring in the, in the tissue samples. And we can certainly save yield, as I said earlier, save that yield and reach a higher potential by applying some of these products. You know, when I'm looking at how I'm going to 
integrate that tissue sample into my overall program. And I'm with you, Meg. There's when you're tissue sampling, you need to be thinking about this year and what's going on with this crop and thinking about those foliar applications. Cause you know, here's your, here's your information you need to make a good foliar decision. But I'm also thinking about next year's crop too. And I'm using that tissue sample to say, okay, I've got the fertility in the soil because I went out and grid sampled the field and I've taken it, taking care of the things that the soil samples telling me that I need to take care of. But why is the tissue sample telling me that I, maybe I'm not getting a nutrient that shows in the soil sample into the plant? And then that helps me make maybe some timing decisions, maybe pH adjustments, but, and maybe it's an ongoing foliar program going forward where I'm not just going to wait for the tissue sample to come back and tell me I'm a little short in something. There's a couple nutrients that are consistent enough through the growing season that I'm going to just pull the trigger on those automatically. But a big part of that is you need more than just one tissue sample because everybody loves to pull a V4, V5 corn or V3, really V3 to bloom soybean because you can run all over the field with a four-wheeler and it's easy. Well, that tissue sample is probably the least valuable, especially in corn because the plant's young. The first three leaves, most of its nutrients are coming off the seed anyway. You're dealing with a lot of weather issues, you know, moisture usually, um, colder weather, you know, and big fluctuations. It's hot in the day. It's really cold at night. And so time can be a difference there for you. I want to, I want something around V4, V5, another one around V8, V10, another one right around tassel to brown silk. And then another one, you know, maybe um, as I'm getting toward dent, um, between blister and dent somewhere in there, kind of as that grain's maturing. Now let's see where that plant is in these kind of, not just critical times, but just through it, well-spaced samples through its lifespan. And frankly, when I really go after it, it's a sample every week. I agree, Tim. Uh, you know, to me, that VT or that tassel, tissue sample can be one of the most critical. Uh, certainly at that time, it's a little harder to correct things uh, because of the height of the corn, but that's when that plant has really taken up a lot of nutrients and you can really see what, what you're lacking. Yeah, when you've got a root system that's nearly as deep as the plant is tall, now it's, it's had its opportunity to go get nutrients out of the soil. And if it's not getting them, you need to figure out why. And that's, that goes back to, you know, maybe us throwing all of our nutrients down the fall before our season. You know, that just doesn't make complete sense. We need to split it up a little bit more and get nutrients out uh, into that cropping system without a lot of interference from other soil issues that might tie them up. And the tissue sample starts giving you ideas and some things that you can try to fine tune that way. Absolutely. When you talk about high yield growers, a guy like a, a David Hula or a Randy Dowdy or any of these guys that are raising 400 plus bushel of corn, almost every one of those guys is doing tissue samples and generally they're doing it weekly. So when we say, well, we're not going to tissue sample or we're just going to take one and try to make all of our decisions after that. But by the way, I want to win the national corn grower contest. It's that conversation is not going to fly. It's not going to cut it doing just one. Yeah. You got to do multiples. And I agree, you know, if you want to if you want to hit those high yields, you got to go after it once a week. So one other comment I'll hear every once in a while, I've heard it from some university guys and some of these guys are my friends. Uh, but, you know, if I'm hungry, you know, as a guy and I get hungry a lot, but I, I'm not going to throw peanut butter on my arm and then think that that's going to make me feel like I've gotten a good nutritious meal. So what is it about these foliar fertilizers? Do, can they actually get into the plant or are we just wasting money with these things and they're higher margin for the guy that's selling them? So, 
I've heard that statement about the peanut butter a lot of times and and from friends of mine and and university professors and so forth and uh, you know it goes back to one of the things that I remember an old professor saying well if you need iron why don't you just lick that rusty ranch you know uh, certainly not not the best way but we've formulated these foliars with proper pH so that they can absorb into the plant. Uh, now, can we feed the plant entirely foliar? No, we can't. But we can give it little bits at a time. And that's the key is it's little bits of, at a time and it has to be properly formulated. When I'm talking to a guy, a lot of times I'll kind of use the analogy of your meal versus your vitamins. So, you know, the, the way I get to be fat is a steak, potatoes, pizza, things like that. But the way I can get you know, a small amount of some nutrients, especially micronutrients that my body might need, well, that's going to be with a vitamin. And that's sometimes how you can kind of look at these foliars. And when guys will say, well, you can't get, you know, iron or you can't get zinc into a plant, I'll say, well, we get herbicides into a plant, right? When you spray Roundup on the plant, does it have to go through the root system or does it actually come in through the foliage? So we've developed chemistries that can enter the plant. Um, It gets to be a little bit of a challenge in, uh, in just making decisions off of one or two tissue samples. And that's where I go back to that systems approach. You need some good soil samples. I like grid sampling. You need a bunch of tissue samples. Now, one challenge we'll run into is a lot of guys will grid sample and they're just going to grid sample for pH, P, and K. Well, that's the majority of what you're going to use your grid samples for. But if you're looking at micronutrients, you need to make sure you're asking for some of those micronutrients on at least some of those grid samples. Yes. Uh, You know, if we start looking at at pushing these pushing these yields higher and higher, we need to have those micronutrients, uh, and we can't do it without them. And you can't get enough into them foliar, so we need to ha- actually have some soil application of some of these microbes. Yep. Another thing I'll I'll say, and you you almost said it there was uh, increased population. So as we push population up, so, you know, we, we've got a lot of knowledge based around, and I'll just use, and it's probably not fair to all of our growers because it makes a big difference where you're at, what your annual rainfall is, and what your population is. But let's just say we're in eastern Nebraska, and we're normally applying, or we're, we're normally putting down, say, 32,000. Well, a lot of our old research on soil fertility was based in more of that twenty to 25,000 population. As we move to 32,000, and guys that are chasing yield... Now, they're going to be more in that 36,000. I mean, one of the the contest winners I worked with was closer to 44,000. So as you push population up, that's a much smaller root system. And frankly, the plant itself is still pretty large. They'll have a smaller stock, but it's still got a lot of leaves in it, a lot of leaf area. That's one of the things you're doing with that high population is trying to maximize the amount of sunlight you can gather there, maximize the number of ears that you're filling. But the bottom line is you got a small root system for each one of those plants. Certainly, in, in those smaller root systems are pulling from a smaller amount of, or a smaller amount of soil, and they just can't get enough nutrients in that little little area that they were confined in. Right, and when we measure nutrients at a laboratory, we're measuring concentration, not pounds per acre. Correct. So when you're talking concentration, you know the twenty part per million. If that's across, you know four feet by three feet and one big old plant stand out there. Well, that's why it ends up with the county average or the county winter ear on it. When you're talking about a plant who can only work within about, you know, three inches by, by eight inches. Well, now all of a sudden he's got a lot smaller system. 
and he's going to need a higher concentration to get the same amount of nutrients. Exactly. So, so anyway, anything else that we need to think about as we talk about tissue sampling and foliar fertilizer from your standpoint, Mick? You know, I think mainly focus on it being a system and part of the system, not not focus on the tissue sampling being your only only t- only tool in the toolbox. Yeah, I think that's really well said. So I guess we're about to the point that maybe we should throw in a funny farm story to kind of break up our segment a little bit. Mick, since you're our guest, have you got something you want to share with us? So, Tim, you might not understand the humor because I know you're not a Nebraska Husker fan, but here, uh, shortly after Nebraska joined the Big Ten, we started this rivalry game with, with Northwestern, and it's not labeled as a rivalry game, but they always come down to the to the last second, it seems like, when we play North, Northwestern in football. And I'm out helping a friend, and I'm driving grain cart for him, and he's driving the combine, and we're unloading on the go. And it was happened to be the year that we played Northwestern at their home field. And it ends up, we're at the last second of the game, Nebraska throws a Hail Mary, and it's a touchdown. So the combine operator goes left, the grain cart operator, which is myself, I go right, about take the snoot off the combine, and then we both got stopped, luckily, with the wheel just about to touch the snoot. But uh, to me, that's a story that I'll never forget that that was kind of fun and entertaining uh, that comes to farming and, and <laughs> harvesting. That is pretty good. And I have never enjoyed football as much as I do when I'm listening to a football game in the cab of a tractor. But there you have it, everybody. That's your safety brief for today. When you're cheering for the game, watch where the grain cart's at. Don't run into it. Exactly. <laughs> All right, back to tissue sampling, foliar fertilizer. So I know, Mick, you've worked with some high-yield guys. I have as well. Um, when you're thinking about, you know, splitting up those applications of nutrients, and, and of course, we always talk about split apply nitrogen. I've moved more with my guys to go into, we need to split apply sulfur and we need to split apply potassium as well. Zinc, I'm not a huge believer in, in the foliar um, zincs, but, you know, if the tissue samples really showing me I'm short on zinc, I'll still go after it. You mentioned manganese and boron. Those are probably the two that I'm paying attention to most. Do you see going after mainly foliar or is it a combination foliar and soil applied? I, it's combination of soil, soil and, and foliar applied. Uh, certainly, I'm big fan of, of splitting the, the K and the S up. Uh, my plots, I, I do a KTS with my side dress. Uh, sometimes, I, whether I need it or not, because I know that I will need that K and that sulfur later on. Uh, but when I think about the manganese and boron, certainly a foliar application with those. And if boron has been persistent for several years, then I'm thinking maybe a soil applied granular in the fall or early spring before, before I plant. I'm with you on that one. I do like starters for manganese. I can do manganese as an in-furrow. Manganese as a two-by-two. Two. Boron, don't want that one in the furrow. That one's asking for trouble right there. I, I do like, like you said, splitting things up. When I'm Another odd one I've really seen a lot in corn tissue samples is magnesium. And in the soils I'm in, I get three, four, five, six hundred part per million magnesium. 
but I'm still coming up short on the tissue sample. I have thrown some K-Mag in with my urea and a top dress. What's your thoughts on that? I've seen it too, and and I've even seen it in spots that are even higher in mag, magnesium and showing up short in the plant tissue. And I can't figure out figure out exactly what's going on there, Tim. I've I've been working with a guy for several years, and and it's high mag soil. We get high mag spots in the in the field showing up, but then when we tissue test later in the season, we're seeing it short. Uh, so if I could figure that one out, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> you know, there's something to be said about that interaction between calcium, magnesium, potassium, or cations in general, the plant's ability to distinguish between them, the plant's ability to take them up. And I know the plant's a lot smarter than we give it credit for, and it's pretty active in selecting out the nutrients and the ions that it needs. But I still think we run into issues, and it's probably compounded a little bit with moisture. It seems like if the moisture is not quite right and you've got a, a really high amount of, let's just say, potassium, maybe it's a field that's had a lot of livestock in the past, and maybe you're, you know, relatively speaking, low on calcium, it seems like maybe calcium is a bigger issue than what we would normally think. Normally with calcium, I'm just saying, okay, well, get your pH right and all of our soils will be fine. But that's not really true. As we move to these really high yield environments, all the easy stuff, you still need to take care of that, but it's not cutting it anymore. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of our yields, you think about when when we started farming this ground, we, you know, 100 bushel was great yield. And now we're pushing three to 500, you know, three, 400 bushel on some of this ground. And it changes the whole the whole concept of what's going on. Another thing I'll throw out there is late season plant health. You know, and we always, we talk plant health and of course we're always, you know, you're just, it's fungicide in, in the next breath. Well, and I agree with that. I think, you know, protecting some plant health by stopping disease and whatever it is that some of the fungicides are doing with slowing some of that night metabolism of the plant that's burning up sugars. Agree with all that. But I think you can, you can boost that benefit by having nutrients there for the plant. It seems like a combination of fungicide and some extra nitrogen late in season comes combination of fungicide and having your other nutrients correct. Of course, we talk about stock quality and potassium, but I think that tissue sampling to kind of make sure you got the nutrients there as you're trying to keep the plant healthy way late into the season. So, you know, we always talk about, well, if the leaves are desiccated up to the year leaf, that's okay. We're fine. That's still going to fill us out for grain fill. I don't agree with that. Some of the best yields I've seen have got green leaves nearly down to the last leaf on the plant. You know, the really small leaves, of course, have, have broken out as that stock has gotten larger. But you've you've got leaves that are probably the fifth or sixth leaf on the plant that are still attached. And on some of these really healthy plants that are producing great yield, they're still bright green. You know, it might be desiccated, you know, on the edges or a little on the ends, but they're still photosynthesizing down there. Certainly, uh, photosynthesis is the driver of yield. And that's what produces our protein. And in, in order to do that, having these micronutrients late in the season certainly helps. Uh, one that I've worked with that they talk a lot about in wheat is chloride. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't, they don't talk about chloride in corn. Uh, myself, I, I've done a little bit of research on that. And, and chloride helps with that late season plant health. I wish that our researchers would go out and research what the effects of chloride applications at a side dresser later would do to plant health late. 
Yeah, I've done the same thing, Mick. I've been uh, in fields where we had plenty of potassium showing and, and the equations would tell you you don't need any. Now, I would argue against that anyway, as you're chasing really high yield that some in-season potassium almost regardless of the potassium test makes sense. But Kansas State had developed a good chloride-based uh, recommendation. And I was pulling two-foot-deep samples, looking at chloride, and then making potassium chloride recommendations just for the chloride. Just for the chloride. Yeah, that's a good thought, too. As we talk about micronutrients, there's a lot of different micronutrients out there. We talked about zinc. We talked about boron and manganese. Uh, we just mentioned chloride a little bit here. I don't normally think about iron much. Do you? I don't think of iron a whole lot. It, we got a lot of free iron in that soil, but we really just don't see it short. Yeah. And that, that iron part brings up one more thing. When you take that really young plant tissue sample look at how much soil is on that sample. If you're given a whole plant, make sure you're cutting it an inch above the soil surface. And if you've got a bunch of uh, rain splash soil on that plant, you know, a wet rag to wipe it down a little bit, maybe just a quick wash with distilled water. I'm not a huge fan of washing plants, but it, especially if you're looking at iron, there's a lot of iron in soil. And if you get a soil or a tissue sample back and it's showing, you know, 10 times the norm for iron, it's almost always dirt that you had in the plant in the world's another issue and getting it out of the world is really tough. So just keep that in mind. Exactly. So as we think about tissue sampling and uh, micronutrient and foliar nutrient application, just get a hold of your field sales agronomist. Our FSAs here at Central Valley Ag have uh, got a great program that we're working uh, with Winfield on that we're able to take tissue samples and, and geo-reference them and, and help make decisions. And we've got a really broad portfolio of uh, foliar applied nutrients, but also soil applied nutrients or things that you could run through your pivot. So just contact your field sales agronomist with Central Valley Ag and they can help you with getting that tissue sampling done and making decisions on the right products to apply to get the nutrients into the plant. All right, we've covered pretty much uh, everything I think we need to cover in tissue sampling and foliar fertilizers. Uh, Mick, thank you for joining the show today with Mick Godekin and Tim Undorf. Uh, this is Soil Talk. Thank you for joining us today on Soil Talk. If you'd like to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at ACS by CVA. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Central Valley Ag. If you'd like more information, visit cvacoop.com, and you can see our precision-focused blog videos every Thursday. With Soil Talk, this is Tim Mundorf, 